0: Hey, what's going on? This is the Saturday on South podcast. I am Connor Guerra. Well, I spent all last week watching college baseball, and it was time well spent. It was awesome, man. Absolutely loved it. It was like for for someone who admittedly doesn't come in until just like with college basketball. Once March, once this SEC tournament starts, that's really where I am obligated professionally to be writing about that. Obviously. And mm-hmm. same thing with college baseball. It's like, ah yeah, once once we get into the College World Series, that's really when they say, Connor, hey, there's something else going on this time of year, write about college baseball. And I was dialed in. It was absolutely awesome. We're recording this before game three. Um, go to saturdaydownsouth.com for complete coverage of, obviously, the deciding game uh, that happened on Monday night by the time people listen to this. But that everybody's calling it the best College World Series ever, and I don't really have a pushback for me, even – as a non-fan, I don't have a dog in the fight like you do. This has been incredible. I, I, I find myself wanting more of this, though, admittedly, college baseball, um, it's take, it has taken up a lot of time at home. I can say that.
1: Yeah, I think – so what we need to do, Connor, is just record two different versions here. And if LSU wins, I'll say this All is right. the greatest ever. And if it doesn't, I'll say there are too many mound visits. They're managing yeah. pitching too much. The clock is messing me up. No, I think – I'm with you, man. I think that this has been, I mean, it's had a nice little bit of entry. College baseball has a ton of upsets um, just in general, but I think like we've gotten to a point where there weren't, a ton in crucial moments like we got to see good teams we got to see lsu play wake forest which you know they shared the one and like they were the two teams that shared the one seed. and that team would have played the two seed in florida so uh the number two overall ranking sorry not the two seed but i think that uh yeah i think um it's been super duper cool i think that it's been one of the closest world twos i think the jello thought the jello shot thing is cool was kind of cool i think it jumped the shark with the todd graves stuff i think now it's like a billion yeah. stuff, or like a like a similar to the submarine type vibes where it's like, who has the most money? Like whatever. So, but yeah, I think there have been lots of really cool um, quirky ways. Like we've just had lots of really good college sports content lately. I feel.
0: Is LSU actually bad for the Jello Shot Challenge? Some are asking.
1: Uh, you know what? It's like UConn
0: women's basketball for a while, L-
1: bro. We're on the same. I literally was like, LSU is like the Gino Arena of yeah Jello shots. It's like we got to get UConn out of here before we start caring, right? I,
0: Todd Gray's probably regrets spending the 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 money. What did he spend? Like thirty grand to buy six thousand dollars, six thousand Jello shots. Probably regrets it given how much LSU is able to, to dominate that. But yeah, uh, everything that we've seen so far in Omaha has been absolutely awesome. And it's been one of those nice little little June things that we, we all we talk about right now, and we, we emphasize this as much as possible, and that's why we have year-round shows. And we're not just a seasonal podcast because we right. want to help you, person at home, get to fall. That's our goal, entertain you, yep. get to fall. And I think we do that in an entertaining way. College baseball is helping us do that. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn my nose up at that. Seeing some of these moments, seeing a Tommy tanks blast to win it. I mean, goodness gracious. Like,
1: well, technically the second one was below. So, but I mean, man, Tommy tank has been on fire. Um, But yeah, it's, I'm so fascinated to see how game three will go. I like, it's one of those weird little how game
0: three went because by now everybody, everybody knows. No, no, no. Everybody I know. But like result. me
1: currently, I was about to say, it's one of those weird things where we are recording right before it. So it's like, I wish I could give you a cool thing on it, but it's one of those that's setting up to be a game for the ages. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Ooh, write A headline. Do you want to, do you want to look like an idiot? Oh no, I don't Connor. I sure don't. I already look like an idiot. Okay. All right. I, I was I was too that confident that. that LSU lost by 20 in game two. Now I'm 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 a neutral, I'm a journalist today. All right, above all else. Scott. <laughs> when
0: win, lose or draw, Florida fans will find a way to still be upset. My God, they were upset during that game on Sunday where they're just freaking out about the media coverage of it. It's like, do you guys realize like You've you only you've barely played in the college world series because you won three games and, and it was a it was so long ago and LSU with all those elimination games like yeah obviously LSU was going to be the story and they were the ones that had the you know obviously the two potentially top picks in the in the draft not that Florida's lacking star power but yeah you get what I'm saying
1: I need um, some sports science on those thick boys at LSU going through these eleven inning games just like their hearts are just pumping and pumping and pumping on Tommy tanks Riley Cooper Beloso. uh even the pitcher who, is, who started game two who was a little bit. Th- Thicker, not as a Ackenhausen, yeah. Yes, yeah. but I'm sure his heart was beating very fast as well. But I'd love to see like the guy from Sports Science just like, yeah, he's he's been sweating four gallons since two days ago.
0: Yeah, it's just the, it's the team of T-Bob A-Bears. That, that yeah. is the, the entire team of, of LSU. It's been fun to watch. Okay, excellent pod coming up. We've got Alabama offensive line Tyler Booker. He's going to join us in a little bit. Great conversation with someone who I think he's well on his way to becoming a household name in this sport. We've also got our first figuring out that we've done in a little bit. It's been, been a while for, for figuring out, we're talking hats today and specifically wearing hats as an adult. One of those topics that I was kind of thinking to myself, is this maybe a little bit too basic or are we, are, are we reaching that point? But based on the comments that we got, a lot of opinions on hats, we are both wearing hats today. So we will get to that later. But first I want to talk to Joe Milton Um. We've talked some Joe Milton. I want to talk more Joe Milton because I think he is one of one. I think he's the SEC's most interesting player heading into this season. And, you know, I thought about a lot seeing some of the rave reviews at the Manning Passing Academy, which has anyone not gotten rave reviews at the Manning Passing Academy since Johnny Manziel overslept? Is,
1: what we need to do is do the live stream, the Manning cast of the Manning Academy and just have them roasting all these. Yeah.
0: It's been, it's the 10 year anniversary of the last time somebody got a negative mark at the Manning <laughs> passing Academy. At least it feels like it, but yes, uh, Joe bazooka, Joe seeing him throwing shorts impressed a lot of people. Imagine that, but yes, he is as fascinating as anyone in the sec bench twice. He's going to be Tennessee starter this year. If you're saying that Nico Yamaliava, crushing it crushed the pronunciation Let's go. just saying if you're saying that Nico is going to beat out Joe Milton to start week 1 i think you're jumping the gun i think you're overlooking how important Milton is in the grand scheme of what Josh Heupel is trying to do and i'll get to that more in a minute here the take spectrum with Joe Milton will be all over the place and sort of understandably so usually i push back when when the takes are just here there everywhere but I, I kind of get why they're at this point because we know that he can throw a football f-
1: further Over than Uncle their Rico.
0: Mountains. Yeah, Uncle we Rico are, says. We missed
1: like months and we're still on the same page. I love it. Yes, you, you, you actually finished tried
0: to finish my sentence on that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I look. We, we know that's the case with him. We know that at several points last year, I, I think that. Well, you know what. Yeah, he made us rethink what the human arm is physically capable of, and I still look at some of the throws that he made in that Clemson game where I'm just like, wait a minute, he dialed it back to throw 60 yards.
1: How is that mm-hmm. possible? He's going to do that. If you're that a yet. hater of guys in shorts, you're the worst. Like when people are like, I'm not getting fooled by this again. Just enjoy the orange smashing into a wall. Can we just enjoy guy rocketing the ball off of his arm without all being Mel Kuiper? That would be great. Yeah, let's let's
0: treat it for what it is, because right. I am more so that guy. I, I can admit I am the roll my eyes when people try and make these these major sweeping generalization takes about guys throwing in shorts. But I can admit that it's pretty fun to watch. It's mm-hmm. cool to see Joe Milton do some of these things, and Pete Manning is sitting there talking about how the, he was probably the most anticipated guy for a Friday night. Uh, for like a Friday night, what, what I can't remember what they called it, but like a, a Friday night session at the Manning Passing Academy. Is that like the most guys gathered around? They want to see what Joe Milton can do because obviously like we know those physical attributes are there and they're going to be on display this year. And there are going to be moments where we're just like, dang, this guy is – it is ridiculous what he is capable of doing. Maybe it's going to be an off-platform 70-yard pass. Maybe he'll be – fourth and goal, and he's going to throw the ball literally out of Neeland. All those things are kind of on the table with Joe Milton. A safe bet with him is that he's going to have the internet buzzing no matter what he doesn't really do boring, which to this point of his career is actually one of his faults. He needs to do more boring. When we had Alex Golish on earlier in the offseason, he talks about the moment that he realized that Joe had truly turned the corner, at least in his mind. And it was actually the Vandy game. It wasn't the Clemson game. It was the Vandy game because he showed that he could manage a game and not make those brutal mistakes. And that stood out to me hearing that from Alex Golish, because it feels like anyone who believes in Joe Milton or anyone who is going to jump aboard the bandwagon this year is going to do so because they're going to see him step into an 82-yard pass to Squirrel White that has the same launch angle as that Ty Evans grand slam on Sunday. Like man, that's man. the type of thing that's going to make you fall in love with Joe Milton. Am I wrong? I mean No, yeah. That that right. will mesmerize people. If you're a casual college football fan, or maybe even just a casual college football fan in terms of someone who doesn't actually watch the games, and you have a bigger platform to be able to talk about college football, you know who I'm talking about. Maybe you don't consume Tennessee regularly for three and a half hours on a given Saturday, but you can probably catch bits and pieces of Joe Milton with like a video that gets tweeted out from SEC Network or ESPN, and you'll think, my God, this is a football unicorn, Mm -hmm. or... Maybe Joe Milton's not a football unicorn. Will, I gave you a homework assignment for this one. Mm -hmm. I think Joe Milton, one of one in a lot of ways, considering that he's in year six, lost his job twice. And yet he's still in such a favorable position to succeed because his surroundings, because the raw talent, all those things. What is your favorite historical comp for Joe Milton?
1: So I had some joke wins that I sent you, but I I do think it's Ryan Mallet. I think him starting off at um, Michigan is Love obviously it. a pretty easy parallel. It's a big dude, uh, Ryan Mallet, even larger than you would think. I think he was listed at like six six, but he was like I remember meeting him for SDS one time. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're like a basketball player, like those guys, just tower over you huge frame, rocket arm. And if you kind of look back at uh, Mallet stats, especially for the time, man. Um, I mean, this is why it's similar. Right. He was kind of in an old school Michigan offense. Right. And then he goes to play for Bobby Petrino at Arkansas, who has like he was the Josh Heupel of his day. He was like running this like not quite as vertical, but brother, if you're an LSU fan, you remember Ryan Mallett getting vertical. I mean, that dude was hitting like these seam routes. He was hitting everything. And so, yeah, I think um, I think that, you know, you got to obviously adjust for eras. Um, but I think that Mallett was able to hit all the throws. He was able to increase kind of his profile. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I think that um, maybe he, maybe Mallett had a lot more diversity of throws. Based on, and we get to see him for two years, obviously, as a starter. where The book is closed on him. But as of now, even though we haven't seen Milton be as diverse in his reads, his throw power is still pretty one of one.
0: Yeah, I, from a skill set standpoint, and, and the Michigan thing, obviously, which is still kind of wild to look back on, that Rich, that Rich Rod chose Tate Forcier, and said, like, this is the the kind of quarterback I want for this game. And the mallet mm-hmm. family just kind of looks around. And I was like, I was a number five overall recruit in this class. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, what? You're not going to build the offense around me? Like, what are you doing? Let's try
1: uh, and see how that goes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Bizarre move in hindsight. I know everybody talks about the sliding doors with what would have happened if Rich Rod had gone to Alabama and not ended up at Michigan. But man, that's another one where you're just like, that's that's just a strange move. I think we forget how good Ryan Mallett was. I think Arkansas fans know how good Ryan Mallett was. I think mm-hmm. we in the SEC have kind of lost. He's been one of those guys who was a little bit lost because of the era that followed. And some of the things that he did at at that time, a little bit ahead of his time. And, you know, he still was able to have a couple of all sec seasons and is remembered as one of the best program guys that they have had at the position. And especially with how much Arkansas kind of struggled at the position, in the latter half of, of the 2010s, they longed for the days of Ryan Mallett. If Milton is great, If he's really good, if he is at an all-SEC level, the Ryan Mallett comps are even better, in in my opinion. If he loses his job yet again, I'll struggle even more to come up with a Joe Milton comp. I I think that that is even harder to come up with because let's remember that he's not working with a typical backup situation. Okay, He's not. I bring this up all the time with Spencer Radler, his 2021 season at Oklahoma. He had Caleb Williams as his backup. If you're a veteran guy, you might not be overly concerned about having a true freshman backup, but everything changes when you falter and you realize that everyone wants to see the other dude because of the possibility that he is going to be special. When Joe Milton was starting his college career, get this, Nico Yamileva, oh God, I butchered it. I butchered it. I had to start over. I had to start over. I was butchering it. Nico Yamileva. He was still in eighth grade at the time when Joe Milton is starting his college career. Yeah. Think about that. Think about doing something athletic and being like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy's going to be better than me. I'm not saying that's the mindset of Joe Milton, but if he, was very confident that he was going to be able to keep the starting job, it would not surprise me. And imagine having the physical tools that Milton does and thinking to yourself that there's any world in which you have a short leash because that guy so much younger than you is going to challenge you for the starting job. So I don't expect him necessarily to feel that pressure, at least not right now. He's also got the, the advantage of, of the experience in the system. Adam Sparks talked about that when he came on the show a few months ago and talked about how Nico is still kind of learning how to operate at full speed. Joe's in year three of the system. And that helps them a lot, especially at this stage of their careers. If you're a believer in Milton, it has to be because the faith you have in the Josh Heupel offense. That's what this comes back to for me. Like 100%. This has to be factored into it. Anytime I talk myself into even considering if Joe Milton has all SEC upside, anytime that, that thought creeps into my mind, I think to the I, I think all about this Josh Heupel offense and how good the floor has been the last five years. That's his entire time as a head coach. Five consecutive top eight scoring offenses. That's what Josh Heupel has as a head coach. The only two coaches besides Josh Heupel who can make that claim, Lincoln Riley, Nick Saban, uh Saban obviously doesn't have his hands kind of all over the offense in the way that Lincoln Riley does. Mm-hmm. So y- you could make a real case that the battle for the best offensive mind in the sport is really like Lincoln Riley, Josh Heupel and then despite the the angst about him as a primary play caller, I would include Ryan Day. The only reason Ryan Day doesn't make the cut for the five consecutive top 8 offenses as a head coach is because obviously he wasn't a head coach until 2019. You get what yeah, I'm Bill saying? Fisher. There you go. Just had to throw that one in there. Um, yeah, maybe if this is, if we're having this conversation, like 2018, 2019, no, even then I wasn't, even. I, then, yeah. I, I came up with a, a list of the best offensive minds in the sport in the end of 2017. I don't remember what Jimbo was on that list. Somebody would have to go dig that up. I, I'm pretty sure it was Lane was one and Leach was two. I mm-hmm. want to say they were, they were, they were one and two at the time before they obviously they were head coaches in the sec. Um, but yeah, you, you get it. This is a very elite group. Heupel is on the short list of the best offensive minds in the sport. His floor is so remarkably high and it kind of makes you wonder, okay, does that mean Joe Milton, once he gets full-time reps, does that mean he is bust proof? Which is a weird thing to say about what he has already experienced in his college career. So I included 2017 Mizzou, who had a top 15 offense with Heupel as the offensive coordinator to show the worst marks in these stats in the last six years does that make sense it's like this is his floor the last six seasons so worst scoring offense in that stretch that josh heupel's had 2017 mizzou they averaged 37 and a half points a game they were number 14 in fbs the worst in terms of yards per play 2021 tennessee they averaged 6.47 yards per play that was still 17th in fbs worst in terms of yards per pass that was 2018 UCF his first year there his first year as a head coach they averaged 8.5 yards per pass that was still 14th in FBS worst passing yards per game 2021 Tennessee they averaged 257 passing yards per game that was only number 39 in FBS still top third total yards per game 2021 Tennessee averaged 474 yards per game which was top 10 it was number nine in FBS so consider that in four of those five very significant offensive categories in the last six years his floor has still been in the top 20 and the one that wasn't the passing yards per game 2021 tennessee only having 257 passing yards per game and then hooker had a 31 to 3 td to int ratio and his quarterback rating was 181.4 they mm-hmm. knew how to throw the
1: football that year they absolutely did Real isn't that crazy to book. think about his, his Heupel's thing that got me, and to be clear, guys, I remember like the first thing I said on this podcast was like so dead wrong about how Heupel's offense may not like um may not work in the SEC because of the talent. And to be clear, it was about the talent at the top, and Georgia kind of did exactly what I was talking about, but the other teams, including my LSU Tigers, could not. So like. I'm. I fully feel like I was wrong on that because when you play Georgia, you just lose. That's just how it works, right? So it's like if you're you're kind of scheming for every team but Georgia and hoping you get lucky at this point. And so, point being, you know, the thing that got me that made open my eyes to Josh Heupel was when he had to play DJ Mack. Um, so was his first year at UCF, yeah. Um, KZ Milton, like Mackenzie Milton now Tennessee coach had yep. his leg implode, which obviously he was the hero from the peach bowl, you know, and it was in like, right. It was a rivalry game against usf right before the conference championship game. Nasty. knee his, his, oh. his, explodes. The game's over too. That's the thing he didn't even need. Like, it wasn't like they should have taken him out, but it was like a point in the game where he still should have been in, but it was dumb that he got hurt at that point. It was just unlucky. He had to play DJ Mack had to play the entire conference championship game. Look fine. Played against LSU. My UCF friends, I hope they don't hear this, but they got way too close to beating LSU and with this quarterback who is like a backup Old Dominion quarterback. And so like that's the thing. That's the thing about the floor of the Josh Heupel offense is that you can put in a quarterback who is like a one-star recruit who is certainly working in enterprise right now. And you can go toe-to-toe with a 2018 LSU team that needed Joe Burrow to go Super Saiyan to win by eight points. If Heupel says that he meets the threshold, that's the key.
0: Right, because I don't think you can take anybody. I don't think you can take every single one-star recruit. Mm -hmm. But if Hypo determines, I think you're good enough to run my offense, Yep, history has shown us he can make that work. Yep, And Milton is obviously in a different category because of the limited experience and because of the way that 2021 played out. I say that he lost his job. Some are going to say that he got hurt. We'll get to a little bit of that later. But that's part of the conversation with Milton. It has to be part of the conversation. I say that as someone who's been extremely critical. I thought the first month of 2021, I kept saying like, even before we got hurt, He is not the guy. He is not the guy. You need to give the offense to Hendon Hooker. He is going to give you a better chance to be able to win. We end up looking very, very right about that. But obviously, there is still more to the story. And the fact that Joe Milton has waited this long at Tennessee has a lot of Tennessee fans hoping and praying that this guy can be next in line to run the Josh Heupel offense because I don't think that you can look at the the run of starting quarterbacks that Josh Heupel has had. And correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't think you can look at those guys. Drew Locke, Mackenzie Milton, Dylan Gabriel, Hendon Hooker, and now Joe Milton. You can't put all of those guys in one box.
1: Correct. Yeah, you have some mobile guys. You have some not-so-mobile guys. And I think you can kind of look at all of them and say maybe they a little bit turned into pumpkins after getting away from Josh Heupel, too. Which is, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of part, it's a little bit part of the narrative with him because. H- Hooker is not, the, the story is not told in Hooker yet. He just got yes. I'm not saying that about Hooker. I'm just saying you guys before Hook.
0: But we did hear throughout the the pre-draft process about the gimmy the gimmicky nature of the system, and mm-hmm. if you didn't know any better, you'd think this is like Texas Tech with Mike Leach. You know, yeah. th- that's that that's in many ways that's how it felt like it was being talked about. But Heupel is is sort of building his version of that, and it's a little bit different because of our understanding of offense now and the way that the game has changed. But you know, in many ways, as talented as Joe Milton is, if he succeeds. It'll be the ultimate proof of concept for the Josh Heupel offense. And I know I've kind of said that about Hendon Hooker in the NFL in some ways, and I guess that's the proof of concept for NFL success, but Joe Milton was the ultimate project. He was. Yeah. We know that Hypel has been fascinated by Milton since he was playing high school football here in Orlando. He went to Olympia, which is where DeAndre Francois went. It's where Chris Johnson went, like Chris Johnson, the running back. You know, yeah.
1: We we know who Chris Johnson is. Come Just on make, now. We've make all make played sure.
0: Madden O eight. Oh, good point good point. you never know <laughs> if, if the kids are like they don't remember chris johnson i hope the kids remember chris johnson they better
1: get in your your madden ultimate team and go get the chris johnson card and just play a game and i promise it'll change it i throw his one screen pass to that version of chris johnson you'll never want to play with another running back for a hot minute chris johnson Lindo
0: white that combo oh, man
1: oh yeah man
0: that was that was elite when hypo brought milton to tennessee after it didn't work out for him in michigan it was almost like Hypel was at a place that was finally good enough to get someone as talented as Milton. Because for we need to remember for most of Milton's recruitment, Hypo was at Mizzou. You know, he he was, and then once he got the UCF job, he tried to get him to flip, but it's like it's too late at that point after he's been mm-hmm. committed to Michigan for a while. Fast forward to five and a half years later. Milton is still just trying to become a, a solid college starter. That, that's yeah. that's really the first box that he's trying to check this season. Yet, if you read some of the offseason stuff about him, you'd think this guy already had Hendon Hooker's career, and he's coming mm-hmm. into this season with that. Speaking of Hooker, Hooker did an interview with The Spun and said that he's expecting Milton to win a Heisman and a national title because, quote, he's the best quarterback in the nation. And if there are questions about that, go back and watch the film.
1: You know what time it is, Connor. Clear off that mantle. Here comes the Heisman Trophy. Whoa, do not, Will. I do not like what you just did. That
0: Random was Joe Moore head stray. Sorry. That w- w- I'm going to ask Dan to pleep that out. That was, <laughs> how dare you? Do not use his name in vain on this here airways. Do not
1: do that. But it's a, it's a theme, right? I mean, um, David Griffin did the same thing with Drew Holiday that's like, hey, my guy's going to win the MVP. It seems like undue pressure was my only point.
0: Yeah, you're right. Even though you took the worst possible angle to make that point. Yes. Let's talk
1: David Griffin, if that makes you feel – but yeah, whenever – I don't like when coaches do that because it, it sets the guys up to fail for the media. Because I was about to say about Milton, people have already like gotten tired of him, and he started like technically two games when he was good. He started like the start of 2021, but the new Joe Milton, the new and improved Joe Milton, I feel like you're, there's been more – way more articles than pass attempts at this point, you know?
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, probably. Um yeah, like Hen and Hooker, you're you're entitled to your own opinion. Like everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Your opinion can be wrong. <laughs> can. I mean, if you go back and watch the film, you see a few plays that are ridiculous and jaw-dropping, and then you also see overthrows that no quarterback at this level should make. That's that's what the film tells us. It's not just, oh man, this guy hasn't had an interception since he was at Michigan. Yeah, but has he been ridiculously accurate during that stretch? He was improved last year. He was absolutely improved. But come on, like we got to look at the the 2021 before Hooker came in as well. That's what I mean, though. The spectrum of takes are all over the place because depending on when you see see Milton or what you want to see of Milton there's a decent chance that you can build whatever narrative you want to talk about like choose your own adventure you can definitely do that with Joe Milton you, you'll hear and see plenty of quotes around him this year preseason especially ICC media days they're gonna get ramped up even more you can see quotes like the one Aaron Murray gave where he's like yeah he's the most talented quarterback in the country and part of me is like wait a minute didn't we just get through all this with Anthony Richardson isn't this we mm-hmm. just went through the difference between those two guys is their path to get here in the spin zones that you can offer up. That's, that's the big difference with Richardson. You could say last year, well, you know, he needed more reps. He didn't have receivers. Billy Napier never really figured out how to use him. He's still football young, all those different things with Milton. Those spin zones are gone this year. The second he steps on that field, year six, those spin zones are out the window. The spin zones right now are, oh, you know what, 2020 COVID season, tough to really build continuity for a first-time starter. 2021, well, you know, he he struggled early out of the gate, but he he got hurt, and Henning Hooker, you know, Henning Hooker became a thing, and he wasn't going to get his job back. I can poke holes in both of those, but I'll instead just say this. Outside of Joe Milton getting hurt this year, Bazooka Joe is out of spin zones real soon, mm-hmm. real soon. I already outlined the fact that I, I think he's got one of the two or three best offensive minds working with him. Uh, he's uh, has an unbelievable floor, a high track record for success. Don't tell me that Joe Milton lacks prolific receivers because Brew McCoy, Squirrel White. They are more than capable of being All-SEC guys. Don't say, well, you know, he was. T- it's, it's tough to replace someone like Hendon Hooker because, you know, like the guy was just never really going to live up to that. You've got Hooker saying that this is the best quarterback in the country. You can't then turn around and say that the bar was too high. You can't do that. So let's discuss then what we think the bar should look like. What are our expectations for Joe Milton? In my opinion, he shouldn't be a preseason All-SEC guy. If you're putting him as a preseason All-SEC guy, you're projecting. I don't like projecting. I don't mm-hmm. like doing that. It is a really, really difficult thing for those of us in this business to separate those two things. If you're putting him as a preseason All-SEC guy, you're telling me what you think his numbers are going to be at the end of the year, and I don't think that's really fair. Last I checked, those spots should be reserved for guys who have actually shown that they could succeed in this league, or at the very least, shown that they can succeed at the Power 5 level. Joe Milton is still trying to be able to show that he can do that. Does he have all SEC upside? I'm not going to rule that out because the hypo factor. Yeah. Am I predicting that? No, I'm not. I'm predicting that if you can step back and break down the entire body of work and not do the thing where you just overreact to one clip here, one clip there, here's what we think Joe Milton should be this year. At least what I think I shouldn't say we, here's what I think he should be. He's still going to be maddening at times.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And consider what we know about the Josh Heupel offense. This is the interception total for the Josh Heupel starting quarterback during his time as a head coach. 2018, Kenzie Miller. He had six interceptions all year. 2019, Dylan Gabriel. He had seven picks. 2020, shortened season. ah, He only had four. 2021, Hennon Hooker, three picks. Last year, Hennon Hooker, yeah, shortened season. towards ACL against South Carolina. The guy still only had two picks. Mm -hmm. that's five seasons with an average of 4.4 interceptions per year. I bring that up because we really haven't seen Josh Heupel have to manage a whole lot of situations where a guy is out there and he's just killing you. He's just making mistakes left and right. The only time that he's ever really had to flirt with that was like late September, early October, 2019, Dylan Gabriel. That's it. Like he had a kind of a rough stretch with the pit game and the Cincinnati game, he wasn't particularly good. But like outside of that, man, he hasn't had to navigate this a whole lot. And because of the fact that Milton got hurt, he didn't really have to be like, oh, I'm benching you in place of Hendon Hooker. He pretty much just had to say, I'm gonna ride with the hot hand. But I, I don't know that Joe Milton can avoid that, the the consecutive bad games thing. That That's really what this is going to come down to. I'm skeptical about that. I am. Because it gets complicated if that happens. If Joe Milton gets off to a good start, he's probably going to get a lot of NFL attention. And if he starts showing up in these mock drafts and stuff, like would Heupel bench him? Because I thought last year, Anthony Richardson against Vandy, I, I thought he had some moments where you're like, this this dude should be benched. But the fact that he's getting all this mock draft love and you're like, oh, he might be a top five pick. can't bench that guy you can't do it
1: I actually started to bring this up earlier but I didn't want to sidetrack you does his performance this season really matter about his first round draft status because we've just seen Anthony Richardson just throw the football over them their mountains most better than that him at that he's not as great of an athlete obviously he's not as great of a runner he's not as like ripped obviously he's not but I, I feel like we've gotten to an era where scouts just don't even care how these guys play in college if they're that physically gifted.
0: And we talked about it with Will Levis too. It was like, yep. all right, so so yep. Will Levis just had like a really disappointing season. Just, I mean, I guess it did matter because he fell in the second round. But for a while, it felt like, yeah, it just doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Here's the only the only reason I'll push back on that because I, I had that exact same thought. Find me NFL quarterbacks who spend their finding their their final days of eligibility on the bench. Find me that. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know that that really exists. I'm not talking about like, oh, he got hurt or something like that. Like find me the guys that have gotten benched and then said, okay, I'm going to the NFL now. I'm going to make this work. Usually it's, you get benched, you transfer, you go play for a while. Like even a a case of Jacob Beeson or something like that, where obviously like Jake Fromm steps in and, and, and takes over the starting job. He goes to Washington and ultimately you're able to, to kind of establish yourself as an NFL prospect. The guys who are benched at the end of their career, are like okay now i'm gonna go try and make it in the nfl i there's probably a guy there's probably some of those guys they're very very rare that's the truth yeah so i think that probably like matters a little bit more so in that department if you see a guy's all of a sudden benched you're not going to be throwing him in your mock draft or something like that if you're like wait a minute that guy lost his job two weeks ago what are you doing with a mock draft of having him going 21 to the falcons or something like that like that's just that doesn't make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. um so at the same time, like there are a lot of people listening to this who are probably saying like, wait a minute, who cares about the NFL stuff? What, what, what does that matter? Tennessee's trying to win football games, right. trying to win as many football games as possible. I think Hypo cares about the NFL stuff. I don't know that he's going to admit that. I think he cares about it because that's the only real place that you can poke holes in his resume at this at this point in his career. And that to me is why he's not on Lincoln Riley's level yet. It's not. Maybe that'll change, but in an ideal world this year, Heupel starts cranking out NFL quarterbacks so that nobody can use that against him, both recruiting high school guys and being able to get guys in the portal. You might say, well, like, what does it really matter? He's already gotten you know, a five-star guy like Nico. Maybe Hennon pops in the NFL. Maybe Joe Milton doesn't have anything to do with this conversation. Who really cares? And you could say Heupel doesn't need Milton to become a college star with an NFL career in order to fend off the negative recruiting about his scheme and as it produces NFL quarterbacks. Maybe I'm overthinking that. But I do think that's where it differs from the Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams situation in Oklahoma, where Lincoln Riley had already shown He had multiple Heisman winners. He had multiple number one overall picks. So benching a draft eligible guy like Radler, yeah, you're going to take the L for that for a little bit. We're going to look back on that. And you're like, oh, remember that? When that guy was you know, mocked to be the number one overall pick. And then it's like, well, you have Caleb Williams and you're just fine. You're going to be just okay. And you already have that track record. So it's different with him. In a perfect world for Josh Heupel this season, he never has to weigh that. He never has to think to, to himself, man, do I, do I factor in his NFL upside of like what this would mean to get a guy there, or like he he should not have to deal with that if Joe Milton does his job effectively? In a perfect world, Milton becomes everything that Josh Heupel hoped and dreamed he could be back when he would text Milton after all of his games at Olympia, and he'd say, "See what we're doing here at Mizzou with Drew Locke. We could do that with you." That's what Josh Heupel was saying to him. I'm skeptical that Milton plays to the level that some hope. And some expect him to play too. I don't think he's playing to the level that Hennin Hooker thinks he's capable of. I just don't. Okay. We don't write off quarterbacks in their early 20s. That's not what we do at Started On South Podcast. We're against mm-hmm. that. But I've I've wanted to write off Joe Milton a bunch of times. <laughs> and honestly, if he were at Florida or AM or even like Penn State, I'd probably be going into this season saying, Nope, I'm out. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I'm not on board with this. But because of hypel, Tennessee is one of very few schools in America where I believe there's a world in which we can get a fun, productive version of Joe Milton. I think that list of schools is small. Tennessee, Ohio State, USC, maybe Georgia, maybe Georgia. Though We'll
1: see I, after this year, hey, buddy. We'll Don't see you worry.
0: We'll see after this year. You know the bobo skepticism that I have. But um, I wouldn't even put Bama on that list. I, I wouldn't. Hmm. Oh, I would put Akron on that list. Of
1: course.
0: Had to. Had to, of course. Joe Milton could succeed with Joe Moorhead. I mean, they're of both course. Joe. Those of course. There's two Joes. You know, yeah, Joes no great. doubt. Um, but yeah, I, th- that's, I think that's it. And I think that's why he's so unique. Much like Rattler last year, I'm so intrigued by Milton, and I find myself wanting more. I just want to provide more context for every take that I see about him, right? I'm like, whenever I see somebody that writes him off, I'm like, well, you know, you got to consider this and with with Heupel's background and stuff. And then whenever I see somebody say, oh, he's going to win a Heisman Trophy, he's going to do this, this, and this, I'm like, well, you know what? Are <laughs> we just totally ruling out the fact that he's been benched twice? So there's just a lot to the Joe Milton conversation. There's a lot of meat on that bone. Will, any other thoughts on him as he enters this year with a third chance to be a power five starting quarterback?
1: Yeah, so I think um, before I say this, I just want to acknowledge, like I am not a Tennessee homer. I don't really honestly think about Tennessee a lot as an LSU fan. I just they're not really a historic rival for LSU. You did last year, yeah, Sorry. I sure did. That's, that's what I'm supposed to home. say. No, yeah. no, they sure whooped us at home. I actually thought LSU had a shot in that game, and Buddy didn't they? But uh, yeah, I really, I mean, I spent all weekend making fun of their baseball team and their fans. I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not a Tennessee homer. Is my only point and. I feel like casual fans need to root for Joe Milton to be good because he's mm. one of those guys that like we are all subconsciously rooting for Joe Milton because Joe Milton being good is good for football. Um, there's not we've seen a bad version of Joe Milton, even specifically that very same Joe Milton, but we've seen bad versions of a guy who couldn't even you know hit the broadside of a barn, or, but had a gun. We've seen it over and over again. So point being, like I I just want to say that I think America will be rooting for for Bazooka Joe. Is this fair?
0: are gotcha. we at a place where where non-Tennessee fans can root for a Tennessee quarterback? Henning Hooker was it's kind of the first, but
1: oh I don't mean Josh um uh oh god, I can't even think of his name. Uh the NASA one. You're talking about Josh, Josh Dobbs. Dobbs. Josh yeah, yeah, Dobbs yeah. was cool. I mean yeah, you're, it you're was right. Josh Dobbs beat your team. He was, like, super cool. He was super nice. Like, I think he was pretty root But, yeah, I think it's always balancing, like, the ire of Tennessee fans using it against you with the player itself. And I think that – and, and uh, Josh Dobbs are, like, great examples. They were, like, really good lads. So it's, like, I could root for them. But I think Bazooka Joe is just fun. I think he's just a fun guy. I think that putting him with Josh Heupel is a dream match. I think, to your point, the odds of him getting benched just from Heupel's PR standpoint are pretty low because you're probably also looking at burning a red shirt um, on his backup and I'm not going to learn his name until he starts a game. Um, but that's my promise to you. You got that one handled. But uh, point being like, I, I think that, you know, he's going to play. And while it would be kind of, I mean, maybe I'm just getting old. I'm not getting to a point where I really don't want college guys to just like Fail like that, just like short circuit on national TV. It makes me kind of sad when I see it happen. To see a guy work for that long at something and just have it not happen. But I don't know. I think that that's. Uh, I think he's going to be fun. I think just just a, a quick little fun aside on him. His um adjusted passing yards per attempt last season. Now, great. Oh, it's it's insane. Eight. Oh yeah. It's great at eighty-two attempts, so nothing huge. The criteria is three hundred and twenty-five, so under a third of that. I understand, but the record is thirteen point six from Grayson McCall. He had fourteen last year now I'm sure there are lots of guys who had higher and didn't qualify whatever but all I'm saying is that like you look up and down this list and it's the names you expect to see you know Baker Mayfield is Heisman year 12.9 Joe Burrow at 12.5 you know like there are guys in here and there's only one like one guy from the 90s kind of at the very top which is of course Michael Vick who would have thought you know who who, like that guy I wish I could have seen him live like he's at 11.5 here but point being um, how about this Guess that stat for me now that you have a little bit of context. Well, we're here at the end of the year. Where do you think Bazooka Joe is going to be in average hours per attempt?
0: Nationally or in the SEC?
1: Just total number. Like, not, not ranking, but like, oh, okay. Last year he had 14. That would have broken the record. The record is 13.6. Joe Burrow's at 11.5. And 50, funny enough, I'll just give you this, is like Zach Mittenberger, Zach Mittenberger Rule Greer, like that, that level. Where, where do you think he will be? If he's averaging. You're talking about, if
0: we're just talking about yards per attempt.
1: Yep. I'd
0: Like 8.7?
1: Oh, sorry. So I need to explain this formula. This is my fault. Adjusted fast yards per attempt. The formula is yards uh, plus 20 times touchdowns minus interceptions. That's why he's so perfect for this. It helps you on long touchdowns, and it hurts you on interceptions. So he's a guy who hopefully won't have a lot of interceptions, will have plenty of touchdowns. This helps you. I do not know this stat enough to make You don't know this illicit. stat it's a super fun stat. But yeah, just like if point being I think he'll be somewhere in the 11s. I think that'll be that'll be fair. Um because that's like RG3, like those type of guys. So, yeah, I think that's going to be fun. It's going to be like a guy that, you know, if you look at the the established, you think so it's hard to have an LSU quarterback be good. Um but I think um having like Jaden and KJ, I think are pretty much like one and two for the SEC right now.
0: If they are not the preseason All-SEC quarterbacks, I'd be surprised.
1: Right. So – to your point, though, there is a little bit of room there. You could see one of those guys because they are more mobile, maybe missing a game or two, maybe their passing stat. Maybe Joe Milton throws for 40 touchdowns and he just passes one of them because they don't throw the ball as much. Um, but yeah, so I think there, there is a path there. So I think it's going to create a very fun little, you know, back and forth between different offensive styles. I think we have so many diverse offensive styles in the SEC guys. We talked about with our OC draft, but I mean, this is like a renaissance of offense in the SEC. If you're not running some type of scheme that is you know, um, unique guys are just going to blow you up. So everybody is kind of doing their own thing. Um Do how long until Joe Milton gets a cam Newton cop is my question for you. Oh, in the, on that. the second
0: you hear that from Gary this year, <laughs> all you got to do, all you got to do, you hit that mute button, you yep. hit that mute button. You, you, you either, you have that as your, your second game so that mm-hmm. you don't have to listen to that. Which you know what, like that's 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 very key on on these fall Saturdays. You if you're a diehard, listen to your local radio. There you go. That I you could you, now in today's world with DVR, you can line it up to their to their call and, and get it perfectly like in sync with that. So yeah, it might take a little bit of work, but I would say a little bit of work is is better than listening to Gary make the laziest comps in the world because he can't figure out how to compare black quarterbacks
1: Who anyone but Cam. Dude. He's gonna run for a three yard first down. He's like. It's like the guy who wore number two for Auburn, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Good
0: Lord. Yeah, miss me with that. Um, right. But I, I do think he's a difficult rank for preseason SEC quarterback rankings. Yeah. Um, uh, As we talk about, like, all SEC conversation, what that looks like. Will Rogers. Let's is... just
1: forget about Leary, too, and Rogers. I mean, I'm not dumping on those guys. I was just saying those are the two kings right now, I feel.
0: Yeah, I, I think that – because I always forget, too, they do three preseason all SEC teams. So Will Rogers will probably be the third, if mm-hmm. I had to guess – And then because because of the fact that Jaden was part of an ICC West champ last year, I imagine that he will be part of that mix as well. Um, But so Milton, I would take Carson Beck over him, but I acknowledge that Carson Beck did not win a New Year's Six Bowl. Tennessee fans might push back on that. I am also really high on Carson Beck. So that's part of this. That's part of why this conversation exists. I think I'd be more comfortable – with Milton in the six to eight range. as it. As it's, we're just talking about preseason rankings. We're not talking about what it's going to project to at the end of the season, okay? Because okay. we know a lot of those things can change. But show me that you can handle the week-to-week ebbs and flows because that's what he hasn't shown yet. He hasn't shown that he can do that. And until you do that, it's tough for me to sit here and be like, yeah, you're a top four quarterback in the toughest conference in college football. I, I can't say that if mm-hmm. Joe Milton locks down the starting job all year. And if he bridges the gap from hooker to Nico, I would consider that a nice win. If I'm Tennessee, I really would. Even if it means Tennessee is only going eight and four or something like that. I know that might be a tough pill to swallow. And some Tennessee fans listening to this are probably like, what are you talking about? No, they're going to take the next step. They're going to go to a new year six bowl again. I'm just saying, if this is the outcome and if it's eight and four, but the offense is still really fun, you're still like, eh, defensively, it's just not where it needs to be to be at that level. To me, that's a win. You'll take that. Tennessee fans know what it looks like when it's not there. And the goal is for last year to not look like a one-off. We talked about what it would look like if we had to go back on our Tennessee is back conversation that we had last year. Joe Milton is a big part of that. He's a really, really big part of that. If I'm predicting an outcome, I think that's it. I think it's he holds down the starting job this whole year and Tennessee is at least fun they're they're prolific and they're at least 8 and 4 even though I know the range of possibilities like it's all over the place so it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a hedge but I think that's where I stand on Bazooka Joe entering this year fair
1: yeah, no, I'm with you. I think it's one of those, you know, when we rank OCs and we rank players, it's like we got to be like, oh, am I going to look dumb for putting him there? But it's so hard to to differentiate those two, right? Because if he starts all year in Hypo's system, he will probably have the best passing numbers in the SEC. You know what I'm saying? I think that based on how they run that system and how his arm strength is and how he doesn't really run the ball at all, he's going to have so many attempts and he's going to have so many bombs to squirrel white that by the end of the year, we're going to look up and be like, yeah, I had a mate. But to your point, it's like then the other variance is he just gets benched four weeks in and it's like you don't look stupid. So I see it. I see the hedge on both sides.
0: Yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, But yeah, I, I wanted to wanted to hopefully provide a little bit of context on the, the Joe Milton conversation going into this year, because I think for the most part, everything that I've been on the record with him is, is overly negative. And I wanted to make sure that it's known that, like, look, we're we're acknowledging where he's playing. The The fact that everybody and their mother is talking about his improvement and it would be really fun to see the best possible version of Joe Milton. All right, let's kick it to Tyler Booker. Great to chat with the Alabama offensive lineman. He is a big part of why there's, I think, more optimism for this tied group in the trenches. And I think after listening to him, you'll kind of see why. So here is Tyler Booker. I'm now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Alabama offensive lineman, Tyler Booker. Uh, Tyler, let's start with what you're doing with uh, Under Armour Next Circuit, um, what you're doing at, at the Future 50 camp. You're getting an opportunity to channel your your inner coach Saban, if you will.
2: Uh, tell me about what it's been like to being able to, to come back to this camp and get to be a mentor. It's been great, and it's really a dream come true. You know, I just love get, finding opportunities to give back to um, things and communities that have poured so much into me. I've been going to the Under Armour Camps and the UNX Circuit since I was in the sixth grade, so – for them to ask me to come back and coach it was it was really an honor and coaching is something that I I look forward to getting into after I'm done playing so whenever I get an opportunity to get on the job experience uh, uh I love to jump at it it's it's cool that you've
0: been able to to do this now with also being able to go back to Connecticut and and getting to have have your own camp there. And 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 I know a place that that means a lot to you. How how rewarding has that been to now kind of just be on the other side of it and see
2: kids that you probably look at, at these camps. You're like, I, I was just there. I was just in your shoes. It's really harder to put it's really hard to put into words how it makes me feel when I'm able to give back and I see that that twinkle in the kid's eye that I had for people growing up. So, like, Tariq Black, he's a wide receiver. I believe he's with the Baltimore Ravens right now. I looked up to him, and he he always gave me the time of day. He always spoke to me. We had we have a great relationship to this day, and I feel like due to our relationship being two Connecticut guys, um, that he really inspired me and let me know that I, I can continue to develop through this game, that this game is for me. And I, I feel like I was able to do that for the kids back in New Haven. And now I'm able to do that on an even bigger scale with some of the best talent in the country here at Future Fifty.
0: Okay, so whether you're at Future Fifty, whether you're doing your own camp, I got to imagine there's moments where you're like, "Wait, th- am I doing something that that Coach Saban does? Is that how much does that kind of enter your mindset of of being able to to kind of coach up some of these kids when you see?" You know obviously the greatest of all time get to do it on a daily basis. How much are you like? Wait, did I just say something that, that Coach Saban says in practice
2: in, in a given day? Well, I'm working with kids, so I can't say a lot of what Coach Saban says. <laughs> <laughs> so, <you> um, <laughs> but now on a serious note, I just catch myself. Um, he'll, what Coach Sabin is really good at, he'll pull somebody to the side like one on one and he'll be like, Hey, like, why'd you do this? Okay, let me tell you why that's wrong. I going to tell you how to do it the right way so he's not just barking at people all the time he's really a patient coach believe it or not and he's really um he really knows how to coach each player so me taking that from him and understanding that not everybody is the same you have to reach people in different ways that's very beneficial I'm very grateful for him to show me that I don't know if anybody told you, but
0: you're not supposed to be in a position where you're getting reps as, ma- as many as you did as a true freshman at Alabama. Like that, that is not a regular thing. And being able to start in the bowl game, obviously, you got more and more playing time kind of as the season progressed and ultimately getting that opportunity in the Sugar Bowl. Um, take me back to that, because not only was it your first career start, but you find out Bryce is playing in this game and he's not opting out. So what were the emotions like going into that one, knowing how big it was for, for him moving forward to just to be able to kind of keep him upright and you're getting your first career start. You're like, I don't want to be the
2: guy to make that mistake and ultimately <laughs> have Bryce get hurt. Honestly, that was never a thought in my mind. The thought in my mind was like, okay, let's go ball off for Bryce one last time. You know, let's put on for Bryce one last time. This is the last time I'm going to be sharing the field with him, possibly. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go put on for Bryce. Let's give him as much time as he needs to do what he needs to do and really continue to submit his legacy at the University of Alabama. And as far as me just getting playing time more and more week by week, um, that's just due to my preparation. And I prepared every week. Like Saban was going to be like, like, hey, you're starting today. Yeah. Like, hey, we, we need you to do this today. We need to do that today. So that was my mindset. My mindset was like, okay, I'm starting, but Saban just hadn't told me yet. Yeah. And then on top of that, I got a lot of help from the actual two starters, Javion Cohen and Emil Echior. Those guys helped me a lot. And I consider those two guys like – brothers you know because they could have took the route like why is this freshman taking some of my time but they were like no like this kid is great and i want to be able to pour into him and so seeing the way that they helped me and you know, the way they raised me up i'm i'm doing that within on our offensive line room right
0: now you worked a lot probably with the twos but getting those those reps with the ones in games even more so last year blocking for bryce just mobile quarterback in general a guy that can improvise so well and bryce wants to be able to move so that he can throw it's not like he's Block, it's not like he's moving behind the behind the line of scrimmage to be able to to you know bust loose for a 20 or 30 yard run so like holding blocks it's got to be just a really different thing than what a lot of people go through how did you yeah. kind of manage that and approach that because your your pass
2: blocking all, all that for a year one guy was at a really really high rate thank you um with bryce you just the, the play isn't over when you think it's over you just keep blocking block till you hear the echo of the whistle but you really that's that's kind of a cliche in the offensive line world, but that was life for us blocking for Bryce. You know, we you know Bryce is a magician back there. He can make a lot of things happen when he has the time. And you just has to trust, you have to trust in him and trust that he knows what he's doing, where he's going. And you just have to trust that the man next to you is going to do their job, just like we trust Bryce. And Bryce trusts us to do our job. Uh Brian Branch uh came on the show
0: uh like right before the draft, and he talked about. Will Anderson's pump up speeches and how incredible those were. And like, it didn't matter who you guys were playing. It was the stuff of legend. What do you remember from getting into those situations in the locker room and seeing what that's like, seeing what true leadership is like and having these moments where, gosh, I mean, from the sound of it, how could you not get chills hearing somebody as accomplished as that talking in the way that he was talking to the
2: rest of the team? Yeah, his energy was contagious, you know, Will, he it's hard to put into words how amped up he was before the game, how how he felt, how passionate about the game he is, you know. And he has a special way of uh, conveying that to us on on multiple levels, like just being able to hear it but feel it, like spiritually. Like we felt like we were ready for war. With uh, so Bryce being off to
0: the NFL, Will off to the NFL. These these guys who are obviously leaders in your program. I think a lot of people are are wondering, okay, who's next? W- what's next? What, this, what, what is this going to look like? The quarterback situation specifically, a lot of people on the outside, people like myself, have been talking about this throughout the offseason. W- what should we know about the vibe of the Alabama quarterback room right now from the inside? How have you guys looked at this knowing that there is a
2: job up for grabs? Um, well, the quarterback room has done a great job of doing They all support one another. But most of all, and most importantly, they're all focused on getting better. They're not really worried about who's going to be the starting quarterback. They're they're worried about building the attributes and having the intangibles of what it takes to be the starting quarterback at the University of Alabama. But um I had a lot I took a lot of intangibles and uh skills that I learned here at feature 50 and added those to my game. So it's just uh, it's great to be out here this weekend and working with the young guys and seeing some of the next great talent in this game. It's kind of cool because, you know, you, you get to be around a lot of these guys who you've probably
0: seen on the circuit and, you know, getting to, to, to see, uh, you know, you probably grown up with some of these guys that you might not have played against them in a high school game, but all the camps and th- different things that you've been able to do, you've probably grown close to these guys. I, I'm I'm interested, uh, you going from Connecticut to, to IMG, what was the bigger culture shock for you? Was it going from
2: Connecticut to Florida or going from IMG to Tuscaloosa? Um. I will say Connecticut to Florida, because some people don't consider Florida the South, but Florida has a lot of Southern hospitality. And being from Connecticut, people, I, I love Connecticut, don't get me wrong, but people are a lot more short. They're um they they had they're more busy, like, oh, got to go, got to go, got to go in that mindset. But down South, people are a lot more laid back. People are a lot more open. Like I, a joke I often say is that, like, you take an elevator ride with somebody from Florida. You'll know their whole life story. You know their birthday, their mother's birthday, their father's birthday, where they're from, where they were born, the hospital that they were born at. It's just um, Southern hospitality is real. So I I just love being down south. So being here at IMG made it made my transition to Alabama a whole lot easier. The
0: the recruiting pitch from from Saban, I I always feel like everybody talks about its effectiveness because he is able to essentially twist what anybody would say negatively about Alabama, right? Like he, he can say, well, it's disrespectful if someone ever says to you on the recruiting trail, you're not going to play immediately. And he says that they're, they're disrespecting your game. They're disrespecting what you're able to do. You're living proof of why that's not necessarily something that you can hold against Alabama. Cause you got to play as much as you did as a true freshman. What do you mm-hmm. remember about that pitch from Saban and what ultimately kind of
2: sold you because you could have gone anywhere. It wasn't really kind of a pitch when it comes to Coach Saban. He just lets you know the opportunity that you have to come be great at the University of Alabama. He let me know that I had the opportunity to come in, get ve- get better, develop as a football player, but more importantly as a man. And the more that you buy in, the more that you'll um, sell the benefits of your work. know what's that transition like going from being an early enrollee
0: guy where you, you go to IMG and you've seen dudes. I mean, you, you understand what it's like to see some talented guys and then you get yeah. to a place like Alabama where you're like, Oh boy, this, this is an even different level than that getting there. And then compare that to, to what that's been like going from your freshman year into your sophomore year and kind of understanding, all right, Things are different. I'm not trying to get my feet wet. How how big has that transition been for you after probably feeling like when you show up
2: there, you got to do whatever you can just to get established and try and figure out the lay of the land? I still have that um, first day of work mentality. And what I mean by that is like, okay, I have to not so much prove myself, but essentially prove myself every day. I'm trying to prove myself, prove to the coaches why they brought me here, prove to the weight staff, why they brought me here. Prove to the um the nutrition staff why I came here. Prove that I'm here to be the best every single day, you know. So my mindset from last year to this year hasn't changed. It's just I have um, more experience under my belt. And with that, there's a lot more knowledge of the game, more knowledge of how Alabama works and how my strengths as a player can help me excel and then also learn some of my weaknesses and turn those into strengths. So is- I'm very excited to go into this season... And really show everybody what I've been working on this all season. Okay, obviously,
0: you want your future to be on the offensive line. You know, you've you, you've got very very big things ahead this year, I'm sure. But I saw you got a little bit of fullback work at IMG. Oh yeah. Has, has the lobbying for 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 a carrier to start at Alabama? Like, how desperate are you before your career is over at Alabama? How desperate are you to to get at least one goal
2: line carry? Uh I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm pretty desperate. You know. <laughs> uh i put that on there purposely purposefully so coaches will see and i could be like hey i have running back experience you, you give me that goal line carry we're gonna score just don't put jc at fullback because <laughs> one of those clips jc completely whiffed on a guy and he got me tackled but that's just that that just how far jc and i go back and that's really one of my best friends in the world that's that's my brother you know and to be able to play next to him being be able to play with him it's such an honor but um as long as JC is not the fullback, I'll score. It's a <laughs> And if you get the
0: carry, not him, right? Like you got to be lined yeah, up yeah, yeah. tailback, high formation, something like that.
2: Give me a toss. I-, I can do it all. I can do it all. I catch a pass. We, we yeah, target it- Whatever they need.
0: Okay. All right. The-, the lobbying. I'm sure you you'll be in a position where you'll be able to make your case for that. Um, <laughs> I, I want to get you out of here with a little bit of rapid fire. Uh, it's just five questions. First thing that comes to mind. Does that work for you? Okay. Let's do it. All right, so if you didn't end up at Alabama, where would you have gone to school? The University of Georgia. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, that's going to upset a lot of people. Um, Good answer, though. Should horns down be a penalty when Texas joins the SEC? No, this is where,
2: where football is played.
0: Amen. Uh, okay, something you talked about earlier, and I, I live this and breathe this because I, I live in Orlando. Is Florida really the South? Parts of it is it you got to go north to go south right is that that's what people say
2: yeah so i'll say yes yes i will because the majority of it is i'll say okay. yes okay that's fair um bench squat or deadlift squat what are we what are we maxing at these days uh safety bar squat yesterday just, just yesterday i think i hit six six fifty on safety bar squat how, how like Okay, so if we're talking no safety bar, how how, how much are, are we getting up these days? So no safety bar. So it, it's funny. JC and I, I'll actually give you a story about me and JC. We had some optional lift before we went out for the summer. And I was last in the rotation for the lift. And whoever last ultimately does the most weight. So me and him are going back and forth. We, we compete quietly, you know, so we keep putting more weight on the bar. So I'm like, add another plate, add another plate, add another plate. So we get to the last set jc puts 540 on the bar he took like a uh a, a crazy jump i think it was 50 60 pound jump and he put 540 on the bar because and he he just looked at me and i was looking at him and he was like go i was like no you go because i'm gonna do more weight than you so jc does a 540 and i said all right i said coach hit me that 2.5 so i put two 2.5s on each side <laughs> and ended up doing 545 so that's the most i've lifted um no safety bar, just to just to beat out JC. It, that, that rivalry, I can tell, it's real, very much so between you guys. For sure,
0: we okay. compete in everything we do. Okay, last one for you. What's football weather? Cold, brisk Connecticut, like you know, you, you know Connecticut weather in the fall, or mm-hmm. sixty-five and sunny. Sixty-five and sunny. Yeah, I, I should have known that you're gonna go with that after spending the last four years in the South. That makes that <laughs> makes sense. Sixty-five and sunny for sure. Yeah. This has been great, man. Uh, really appreciate it. Awesome to see what you've been able to do uh, with Under Armour, with Future 50 and, and everything that you got going. I know you got some big things ahead this year. Uh, so, yes, really appreciate the
2: time and best of luck with everything you got going on. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for giving me the time to let you know what a great program Future 50 is and what a great camp, this, camp circuit this is. Um, I feel like this really produces some of the best athletes in the in the nation really regardless of support just because there's very few opportunities for the best of the best the true best of the best to come together and compete. so I feel like if people don't know what future 50 is, they should definitely know now because it's giving you an insight to the next best 50 football players in the nut, in the case, in the country <laughs> you're living proof of it man love to see it love to see it appreciate it
1: What's my destiny mom? You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates, fullest. You never know what you're gonna get.
0: Figuring out, we're talking hats. I'm a hat guy. Will you a hat guy?
1: Um, yes. We're both wearing hats, which is super funny. I like looked and I was like, "Look at us, two hat guys, two backwards hat guys," as Colin yep. uh, Coward would say. <laughs> I don't think
0: there's anything wrong with the backwards hat. I, I I know a lot of there's been a lot of discussion about it. Does it does it have an age limit? should you be someone in your thirties wearing a backwards hat ken griffey jr wore a backwards hat well into his thirties and that guy is the coolest baseball player of all time so yeah. i i'm just i'm not saying i look like ken griffey jr when i wear a backwards hat but do i feel like ken griffey jr yeah every single time i don't care yeah i don't really worry about that is as, as much like I, i've gotten to a place now where i'm a bit more comfortable um, and it, it kind of depends on this. The fact that we work in this job, there's a little mm-hmm. bit more leeway to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, I've, I, I, I'd say I've been a hat guy most of my life. I say most because I, and I'm interested if you had this because you're kind of like just getting out of this phase a little bit, maybe. Um, I had a four year stretch in my 20s where I kind of stopped wearing hats mm-hmm. and. Uh, like Lauren used to say all the time that I had way too many hats for someone who doesn't wear them, but I think COVID oddly brought me back to hats. Sounds mm-hmm. weird. If you're on Zoom calls, we're on we're on a lot of Zoom calls, you and I. Yep, they're great because if you haven't showered yet, or if you really don't want to have someone judging your hair, you're just not really feeling it. Boom, throw on a hat, you're good to go. I can I wear on I wear in interviews, don't really care. There's not a whole lot of places where I wouldn't wear a hat. I probably wouldn't wear a hat on Firebomb. Probably wouldn't wear a hat there.
1: Yeah. I'm laughing because I relate to that so much. And I just assume that your life is so scheduled that there's never a time where you haven't showered and you wish you would have. So I'm just like laughing because I'm like, why do I wear hats on Zoom calls? Because my hair looks like crap, but I want to look like I at least like, oh yeah, just backward hat guy. No worries. I definitely like what was got up on time this morning. Oh, uh, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's literally like, it's, it's the, uh, the horror of turning on your Zoom for the first time, knowing you don't look your best and being like, I really hope I don't look like a dust bunny today. <laughs> and so, but I think backwards hats have saved me from a lot of embarrassment in that world.
0: There's Yeah, there's something to be said for it. You know, like, oh, I don't want to have to like do my hair and I'm going to be on camera in front of coworkers workers or something like that. Today's actually one of the rare instances in which I'm wearing a hat and I've already showered. Most mm-hmm. times that's usually not the case. We're getting in a workout later in the day. You know, we're, we're trying to figure that out. All workouts now are... Are at like 8 30 in the morning it's been difficult because the sun is already up it gets really hot it's it's a whole thing is um, that late or early for you that's that's late for you know what this is gonna sound bad it's just it's a time that I hate working out because it's I haven't eaten yet mm-hmm. by by 8 30 and the sun is already up if I'm working out at like 6 30 or seven in the morning
1: mm-hmm.
0: sun's not up yet. We're good. We can go for a run or something like that. Working out in the garage, nobody cares about this. So whatever you can skip ahead if you really feel that's necessary. But sun's not up yet, so we're you know we're not necessarily battling the floor to heat in the same sort of way. Mm-hmm. If I'm working out at eleven thirty in the morning, which is when I feel like I'm truly at my peak performance, I've already had I breakfast. Already. Shout yeah. to Chip yeah. Kelly, exactly. I've already maybe had a snack or something like that. I can handle that sun in a different sort of way. Eight thirty is kind of the worst for me. That makes sense.
1: You actually taught me something there. Like, is or not talking about That's like a good idea because like, that's why I asked is like, dang, the times that I've woken up super early, I feel like I've gotten results or later, but eight 30 is kind of a nightmare workout time.
0: Yeah. Just, just weird body doesn't know what to do. Um, but yeah, hats, uh, I'm not a big workout. I'm not a big hat workout guy either for a while. I was a MLB hats, random teams guy.
1: You know, that guy, Mm -hmm. um, blue jays are like sweeping that category dude everybody like that has a blue jays
0: hat it's a sick logo it's an Mm -hmm. unbelievable logo when i when when we retire and and we move to dunedin in 30 years and the blue jays are still the spring training team there i will get a blue jays hat yeah i know uh yeah but the blue jays will i'll I'll, like unironically be wearing a blue jays hat Mm -hmm. but i used to like i had the diamondbacks hat Indians, that's what they were at the time. That's not problematic. I had a silver brim Mariners hat that I used to wear all the time. I used to wear it backwards. Talk about feeling like Griffey. That's when I really felt like Griffey. I used to wear a Yankees hat, did not like the Yankees, just wore a Yankees hat, had the Cubs Mm -hmm. hat obviously too. But I think when they started going to the flat brim for those, and really for all hats, I sort of lost interest in hats. Mm -hmm. I. I felt like I was too old to be wearing those. I thought that I looked dumb. I'm like, I look like I'm trying to go to the Little League World Series. I, I don't need to have this, this look of a guy that's either coaching a little league team or just trying to look 15 years younger. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't really like that. I, it was nice to get away from the fitted hats because, and you have a big head too, right? Like you're. I
1: have a tiny head actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Did Funny fact about that. me, I should be like six three or six four, but I just have a very small head.
0: Getting a seven and one fourth fitted hat size graduated to like seven and three eighths. Everybody got mm-hmm. had to get the fitted hat sizes, like they, oh, and the one size fits all, those hats, the worst. Not that's, me. dude, that's, that is, you talk about Basura those hats were Bahura, basura yeah. not a fan um but yeah i like i like a little bit more the the mesh back you know the you got the mesh with the the backwards hat. hat yeah the trucker hat um i mean i like the fact that i can sweat in them which always a big thing don't necessarily feel like it's a bad look i might hit the point eventually where i'm not comfortable with this style but i feel like it's got a little bit of longevity in ways that a lot of hats that i that i wore growing up do not have like, I, I can't necessarily pull off the flat brim Florida Marlins hat. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be that guy. Just not. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Will, what are your thoughts I, on that?
1: I'm laughing so hard at like how we're so different, but we somehow live parallel lives. Because like, I went on a date the other day. I was getting like out of a workout. So I just like, I showered, but I like threw on a hat because I was like, I don't want to look like a madman. And the girl like, was like, wow, you look really great in backwards hats. And I was like, okay, awesome. So I got some feedback. You know what I'm saying? I was in my closet literally yesterday thinking, what am I going to do with all of these flat brim hats? Like I'm in the exact mm. same boat as you. And I'm like, am I just going to be a boomer and start bending these hats? I'm like, I need to get rid of them or I need to bend them because they look terrible on me. My head is small. It's like, it looks like I'm wearing, I look like a Pokemon with like a bill, like some kind of a duck platypus creature when I have like a forward facing. And then you don't want to be forward facing hat guy. Cause then you look like you're trying to try out for like. The worst baseball team in the league and then you don't want to be backwards guy because it looks like so i think that i'm i'm with you i have like one with like kind of a buckle on it right now like the trucker thing where you can kind of adjust it i'm always going to go backwards unless it's a flat bill that i really like and i want you to see what's on the front of it which is a little bit of a harder move so i don't do that as much anymore i will say the thing that took me out of wearing them as much is i cut my hair there is there are a few Better looks, in my opinion, than the Dansby Swanson, where you have like the Mm. long back of your hair that's like kind of coming out of the back. Yeah, yeah, you have the flow. You throw on a hat. It's like, does this guy have a mullet? Does this guy have lettuce? What does he have? He's kind of a wild card. We just know that he cares enough to put a hat on. What's going on under there? Is there a mohawk? I think that is the best use of a hat at any age. Is when you have the lettuce coming out, you go backwards, and you know it looks like the lettuce is. It's gonna surprise you.
0: So you think the best use of a hat is actually when you have good hair and you're covering your long up.
1: hair. Oh yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's, there's something well, okay. to be said also
1: for to be fair. Yeah. If you are balding also hairs, hair, uh, also hats are like a huge assist that you don't need. You can just throw it on and be like, Hey, date Mike, I got hair. Don't worry about it. So I haven't experienced that yet. Uh, no, knock on wood there. But for my knowledge, when I have long hair, I wear a lot more. What about the caps?
0: The I'm wearing a suit and I really don't want people to know that I'm bald so I have to wear like the 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 Samuel L Jackson what are those called again
1: Yeah no I know what you're talking about Jamie from Mythbusters the little yeah, yeah. chapeau yeah um it's a move I mean you got to really pull it off if you pull it off cuz those guys can be kind of weirdos you have to style it with the rest of your fit you can't just throw one of those on
0: Yeah um, all right, let's go to the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook group. A lot of takes on hats. Lots oh, yeah. of takes. Uh, I asked the question, as an adult, what is your go-to hat style? If you don't wear hats as an adult, why not? Have you thought at any point, I am too old for that hat? To the bald slash balding crowd, do you wear hats out of necessity? And then what's the worst hat trend of recent memory? Let's go to this one from... I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of your last name, man. Uh, David moncahouse Monica house. Uh, David says, I wear hats almost daily for catching sweat and blocking the sun. Started when I moved furniture because it was easier to wear a hat versus going in and out of a house and putting sunglasses on and off. I mostly stay inside for work now, uh, but I cut, grind, and weld metal often. So wearing a hat makes me feel like I'm putting a layer in between my head and the dirty Mm -hmm. steel. Mm -hmm. Do you look at hats and think, can I wear that with sunglasses? Because I do that all the time.
1: I'm not a big sunglasses guy. Maybe I'll be blind when I'm even like your age and feel stupid. I really don't wear sunglasses a ton. I'll, I'll if anything, I'll throw a hat on. If it's right in my eyes, flip it around. But I'm just not a sunglasses guy for whatever reason.
0: It made me feel really old when you said when you're my when when I'm your age.
1: No, I'm saying like it might be such a bad decision that I might in four or five years regret it. Not when I'm fifty or sixty. Yeah, that's true. All
0: right, that's true. No, I, I definitely think about that all the time. And and there is something more convenient about. Uh, especially if you're going in and out of places and like, all right, am I going to put the sunglasses on my, uh, on my shirt? You know, could they fall and and deal with that? And it's like, yeah, sometimes if you're picking between hat and sunglasses, the hat is the easier choice, but I I do very often opt for that. And that was another thing. I was like, okay, so if you're wearing a flat brim, flat brims are going to have a rough episode. I'm telling people this right now. Mm -hmm. If you're wearing a flat brim, you're probably wearing it so low to the point where you're not really going to wear it with sunglasses. Or if you're wearing it backwards, What's the point of it being a flat room? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, so the, anyways, that.
1: Don't end up like that outfielder from Wake Forest. You just wouldn't put his sunglasses on, but the flat room would help him. Boy, didn't it? If
0: only they made something for him to be able to to have on his head at that moment that he could have used that he could have used to aid the sun. He probably still doesn't make that catch even if he's got them on. But you just can't be the guy that doesn't have your sunglasses on, and and you lose the ball in the sun mother all caps
1: put your epic sunglasses on after the first error
0: <laughs> terrible man just terrible every picker says if i don't feel like making my hair look decent i wear a hat as a blue collar guy i have uh a work hat. work georgia hat work georgia hat there we go and a nice georgia hat both are trucker style snapbacks because savannah is too hot for much else i do have a decent cowboy hat that i pull out for the right occasion which is mostly concerts the beach or a good party For football games, the last two seasons, I have a black Nike visor that I've worn every game except the 2021 SEC championship game. My bad, 100% my fault. Hmm. The visor guy. In a non-football setting, is the visor extinct? Because yes, golf a little bit, but if you saw a guy at the grocery store wearing a visor, what would you think?
1: uh, Is it Steve Spurrier? I mean, yeah, that, that would be
0: the question. Are you related like, to C Spurrier?
1: Literally, like, I'm not even being mean. It's like I have like a Hoover football seven on seven uh visor that I wear as a meme. Sometimes when I work out like when I'm just like, oh, I'm going to throw this on channel. I or Josh Niblett, but like I don't. No, I, I don't think regular dudes can wear visors other than like he said related to football. Like, because like there's, there's a Kirby Smart comment that's like, oh, Kirby wears visors. Like, I bet he does. in the Mercedes has been super but <laughs> outside of in daily life, you can't just be pulling that look off. I don't think it is
0: trippy how many Georgia fans, if you go to a Georgia game and you see the amount of visors, it's crazy. I mean, there are just like what Emery is talking about here. It is the, the I, I would venture to say that is the most common headwear of anything at a Georgia football game is a visor, and it's because of Kirby. Guys gotta bring. Do you
1: think that they would wear visors as much if Spurrier didn't exist? Like they're trying to reclaim the visor and be like, no, no, we're the visor school. <laughs> there might be something there might be something to be said
0: for that. Um, yeah, I mean it's look, it's been it's been long enough. It's been now over 20 years since Spurrier's been at Florida. I know I just made people feel old um by me saying that,
1: but yeah, but I like those visors better. The big, the big chunky ones that he used to. I think that's actually kind of a smooth. Like if you pull up to a party or how old am I? If you pull up to a gathering in your local neighborhood with that type of visor on, that I think it actually is kind of a move. But once in a very like six months, like you can't be that guy.
0: Yeah, it stands out, it, right? You you get a comment probably about your visor if you show up to your your Fourth of July barbecue rocking
1: that. I,
0: <laughs> unless you are wearing a Georgia visor. And it looks like, okay, well, this is, you're just a Georgia fan. You support Kirby, you support everything that he does. Mm-hmm. It's weird how, how, how trends like that can, can kind of run. to I wonder if you go to Minnesota games, if you see people that are wearing a quarter zip and like a shirt and tie, like PJ Fleck, is that a thing there?
1: I don't know. They're just like got briefcases <laughs> full of bricks. <laughs> just, we're doing it the hard way today. We're doing stadiums. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a ton of LSU fans that had the white, per, white with the purple writing. Les Miles hat. I need to go burn all of mine, especially given recent events. But yeah, that was you know, I think that, that, that it's cool when there's a little like token of community ship there.
0: Yeah, if your if your coach has any ounce of success, you basically need to imitate his his style. Like A and M fans. If if y'all go nine and three this year, you need to bust out those Times New Roman Jimbo Fisher sweatshirts that he's that he picked please. up from the gas station. All of y'all need to be wearing that. Okay. That needs yep. to
1: happen. In the Times New Roman. Oh my yep. gosh, please.
0: Yes. Derek Walden says, as a part of the balding crowd, I wear a hat and I wear a hat anytime I'm not at work because I'm a little self conscious about it. Always a baseball hat, usually one of my 15 or so UGA hats. Yes, I have a hat problem. And usually a flex fit or fitted. I have a tiny head and most of the one size fits all hats or adjustable hats don't fit me well because they don't fit anybody. Well, they suck. They're the worst. The worst hat trend is the flat bill trend. So bad that bill needs at least a little bit of a bend. Here's a question that I've wondered about for a while. If you meet someone who says that they are balding and they wear a lot of hats, chicken or the egg, are they balding because they maybe wore a lot of hats? Oh, I played baseball. I played a ton of baseball. I played a ton of golf growing up. Oh, I worked outside. I wore a hat all the time. Did they bald because of all the hats they wore? Or did they see that first sign of balding and they're like, yep, we're going hat. We're good to go. I wonder how much hats are to blame for balding. That's all I'm saying. You know
1: what? I'll give you a test case here, Connor. So you see this microphone. Oh, you don't see it. But the microphone that you know I'm on, the Blue Yeti. Um, I used to take all my Zoom meetings on like a gaming headset, like a nice Corsair gaming headset, and I would sit on this gaming headset all day, and it just carved a trench into my head. And like one day, I was like, you know how like sometimes your hair's a little bit greasy, it looks like kind of thinner than it is. And I was like getting out of, or getting into the shower after a workout, and I was like oh my God, am I going bald? And there was just a little trench from where my head... I was like, I'm I'm decommissioning these. I don't even want to take a chance at that. So maybe the hat, if it's a super tight fit, it has the exact same thing. But I'm here to tell you right now, like wearing a headset made me paranoid. I was losing my hair.
0: So yes, just pull the will. If you feel like you're going bald and if you're wearing hats all the time, just stop wearing hats and then watch your hair grow back. You'll be mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, foolproof method. David Cozart says, my go-to hat style is ball caps in the summer and winter hats when it's cold. Some may call these beanies. Uh, I've definitely thought at times that I'm too old for certain hats. I have a throwback Nuggets hat from 03 that I got Carmelo's rookie year. I've been wearing it a lot lately with their recent championship, but I question if it's okay for someone my age to do so. The worst hat trend is definitely the giant new era hats. We got how many minutes into this and we haven't talked about the giant hats yet. I don't think we can call those a hat. That's not a hat. It's
1: like an accessory. yeah, it's
0: an accessory. You're wearing an accessory on. that's more of that's closer to a helmet than a hat at yeah. this point if if we're being hundred percent honest. yeah, the uh, the hat from 20 years ago, it's it's tough to bust that out. It is really tough tough to keep it clean as well. If you've kept that clean for 20 years, you've been waiting on this moment. a nuggets championship. I mean that that to me is that is absolutely fantastic. um, as will just shared something with me in this in this zoom call. I just—I know
1: I've mentioned it a couple of times. Maybe put it in the group. That is Hoover's old head football coach, Josh Niblett, just rocking the mess out of a flat bill hat. That is the oldest person I've ever seen look good in a flat bill. I'll tell you why. It's because he's super swole and like 10% Mm. body fat. So that's one of those guys that you see rocking stuff and you're like, maybe I could pull that off. No, but he would wear full old school aviator, like headphones, like headset, and then flat bill as like a 45 to 50 year old man. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's doing this. It's working. This is crazy.
0: So, it's more so because he's yoked and he's he's in really good shape. That just means you can get away with wearing anything. Those people can right. wear. You're not going to tell t-shirt. them any different. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's very hard to look bad, not necessarily because of the flat brim hat. Flat brim right. hat sucked. Scott Boland says, I wear a hat for the occasion. Noon kickoffs mean a bucket hat. 330 kicks require the bill of the trucker hat to block the setting sun, and night games allow you to throw off your newest slash best slash favorite logo. Um, yeah, you got You got to mix it up time of day. If you're thinking strictly for for function in terms of the hat that you're gonna be that you're gonna be picking out, I think about that all the time. Um, the bucket hat, I've never gotten into it. I've always wanted to. I don't know why. I've never pulled the trigger on buying a bucket hat, and I always see other people wearing it. And I'm like, you look great. You're pulling it off. And I, why? At 33 years into life. I have never once said, Connor, you have to have this bucket hat. Make this happen right now. I don't know what's wrong with me. Have you ever purchased
1: a bucket hat? I think it's too late for you, man. I think that the bucket hat is a is a yoke guy, which we can just go ahead and take that out because that's everything. Or yeah. I think it's a big boy exclusive. I do think oh, bucket yeah. hats are one of the... Uh, I will not give Zion Williamson much credit, but one thing he does well is wear bucket hats. You see an offensive lineman in a bucket hat. You see, you know, anytime you see kind of a swaggy, bigger guy, they have a bucket hat in the repertoire. And I think that'll do it because I think if you're smaller, it makes your head look too big. But if you're bigger and you're kind of like me, maybe you have an average size head, but a bigger body, that bucket hat really rounds you out.
0: So it kind of overtakes you if you're a smaller
1: guy. Mm-hmm. it's just
0: it's it's a little bit too much
1: okay right whereas if you're a bigger guy you look like juggernaut from the x Men. it's like your head is just mm-hmm. a shell of your body
0: yeah okay all right i guess i won't be buying any bucket hats
1: sad i'm just here to help you because I, I i push you to to do a lot of new fashion trends bucket hats not for you
0: okay fair enough that's why that's what we're here to do we're here to just mm-hmm. talk through these things what am i too old to wear what am i not too old to wear Michael Dark says, if I'm not at work, I'm always wearing a fitted baseball hat because of my receding hairline. I'd love to wear a snapback more often, but I have such a uh, such a fat head that I have to wear it on the last snap if I attempt it. i <laughs> got thoughts on that. My fitted hat size is seven and seven eighths or eight. Shout out Kevin Mench. Look that one up, kids. So it's difficult to find a hat. So I typically have to order them online. The worst trend was a time where wearing a fedora was acceptable. I never wore them, but I had to fight like hell to make sure my wife didn't try to put
1: them on my kids. When was this? that fedoras were good and cool. I don't know. I Maybe I missed that. <laughs> I missed this. And maybe, <laughs> see, you're, again, like, slight age difference, a little bit smaller guy, a little bit bigger guy. Don't think either of us ever thought like, really was, over a fedora.
0: Oh, you know what? Was he talking, like mid 07? to late 2000s yeah 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 uh, Jason, like jason Mraz, i feel like but
1: that... see that's a very okay that gets into like a um oh my god like a john mayer territory that's like mm. all right yeah john mayer can pull that off i bet because he looks like he's an attractive dude always has an acoustic guitar in his hand he could wear a party animal in his head and people would be like you're so hot
0: didn't britney flirt with a fedora for a little bit
1: you, you talking about spears yeah yeah well, come um on, come on. what other britney is see- there I don't know, but, uh, there's a, yeah, I think that she, I think, yeah, maybe as a woman, the fedora would be a nice little accent actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, I I won't be wearing a fedora, no fedora, no bucket hats for your boy anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's end with this one from Grant Haney. Grant, this one's kind of long Grant says as an adult living in Texas, hats are an essential piece of the wardrobe. My go-to hat style is a fitted new era 39 style ball cap to beat the unyielding Southern heat. Those are actually very nice looking hats. Nothing against snapback hats. And if you're coaching Little League Baseball, which could be a certain SDS podcast host in a few years. Oh,
1: buddy. You bet, you, They're you gonna bet be you're going to be the behind. Kobe of coaching. Like that story about Kobe's daughter, where they like sucked one year and then the next year they came back and were awesome. That's going to be you in your first like Little League situation. I will
0: not be Jimbo Fisher with nine different sheets that I'm holding on to at all times <laughs> while trying to coach that will not work. That will not be my style. However, all too often, Oh wait, no, I skipped part of this. My bad. Um, we're, we're going to skip, we're going to skip part of this cause this is really long. Uh, The worst hat trend of recent memory, in my opinion, is a tie between the Fedora trend of the early 2000s. Okay, we got some clarification on that. And NBA players wearing hats on draft nights. The first of these, the Fedora, has claimed too many victims that had aspirations of looking like Indiana Jones or Peaky Blinders, instead (laughs) resembling (laughs) Kevin Federline. Oh, my God, I had no idea we were going to go there. Uh, (laughs) uh, On his way to a finer things club gathering. The other worst trend is continuing insistence that NBA draft picks wear a hat when posing with the commissioner. At no point throughout the rest of the season will they wear the the team hat and it more or less sits on the top of their head like a crown. So why subject them to wear one on the biggest night of their life? He's on to something here. That's a great point because of all the trades that happen, they're often wearing the wrong hat anyways. Why do they do that? Who cares? All you have to do in today's age with graphics, a business that you work in, just get the picture of them. Get the yep. picture of them, and then you can add in whatever you need after. Oh, they get traded. You swap it out. Takes ten seconds to be able to do this. That's that's what you got to do. Grant is onto something here. Very very much onto something. He very clearly has thought about this, and probably a little bit of recency bias because the NBA draft last week. But I'm on board with this. I like this take. This is a, especially after seeing who's it. Anthony Black, like him trying to wear the hat. and <laughs> yep, he's wearing the Magic hat, and you're just like, man, come on. What what are, what are we trying to prove here?
1: Yeah, I think uh, well, this is one of those like Hall of Famer comments that we're just kind of up against time. But like every word of it's awesome. And yeah, I mean, we were literally just kicking around like when were the fedoras? I think maybe I was a little bit late. Maybe that was when I remembered it because I was younger. But like I yeah, you're right. K-Fed, you hit that right mm. on. But, like that style of dude, pickup artist almost type of vibes. Yeah, like I could like that era. I, I bet like that might have just been kind of before our time where we, we were trying to like. I'm so glad it was before time. I'm so glad there's no fedoras in any of my photos because I definitely would have looked like the Milady meme because I was always fat. <laughs> uh, like, that kind of a door is never going to work, guys. He looks like Peter Griffin or Milady. There's two options. The <laughs> point being, like, you're so right. I, I mean, these are such niche hat takes that I so validate because the NBA thing is so stupid. I think I'm just going to go on for 30 minutes on that, but it's just completely pointless. Yeah, I think that we're forcing flat bill hats and on people that don't need to have them.
0: Yeah, agreed. You're not going to be wearing a hat anytime soon. NFL draft, give him a helmet. I'd rather see a man a helmet than a hat. Yeah. All right, we don't need this. We don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, get rid of that. A lot of great hat takes. Glad Wait, we you did can't this. Can't do the
1: helmet because then they have helmet hair. You know how funny that would be where They all have like helmet, like they like. have because some of these guys have like tall hair now, like it has like the little holes in it from the helmet. They're like taking pictures after <laughs> that yeah. would be so funny. That'd
0: be an even worse visual. I'm just picturing how funny it'd be to see guys wearing helmets and suits. Just such an yeah. odd combination. But yeah, I'm over the the hats and suits trend. Uh, I've got a lot of the week and it's lad and last, I guess last is um, the Hester family. Mm -hmm. Shout out to them. If you listen to last week's episode, you know, where I'm going with this one. Hester baby. Number five is here happened right after the Tommy takes blast on Thursday nights. Hester's youngest Memphis uh, who I met when we were at LSU uh, 2019. uh, He wanted to name her Tommy in honor of Tommy tanks. Love that. Did not end up going with Tommy tanks. Hester. Harlow Jane <laughs> Hester is what they settled on, but
1: oh, that's yeah. fire! Harlow Jane, that's that's a great name. That's you a, don't pass on that for Tommy, as much as I love Tommy Dick, you'll that's a fire name. Yeah,
0: Harlow Jane Hester, Claire Elizabeth O'Gara, the best long snappers of the 2041 class. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm.
1: It's,
0: cool, it's happening.
1: Yep, funny enough, my plan of the week was going to be. So a Tommy takes talk. And again, I don't want to put any curses on him, but I think when you have two blasts like that in the same yeah. week, even if he goes over five, it's like you, you were still the lad of the week to me and lots of fans. I think that the 11th inning one was crazy. And so, yeah, I think that that guy is like a, as a, uh uh a, uh, what's it called as a vibe setter for big guys. Very cool. I think we're seeing lots of thick boys in sports that are cool. We always shout them out. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like it's just been a great week for baseball. I think lots of guys have stepped up in big moments. None of them for LSU yesterday in game two. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I think that we've had, Lots of guys who've made a lot of money this week, I think, is very fair.
0: Very much so. How about how about in the postgate when Chris Budden asked him, like, well, what were you sitting on? He's like, Yeah, first pitch. I was I was sitting fastball and he threw me a slider and I just threw my hands at it. Guy was fooled on that on that pitch, which is just incredible to think about. Imagine imagine being that fooled on that stage and just like, Oh yeah, no big deal. Just hit like the biggest homer of my life, second biggest homer in program history. Like, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sometimes Whatever. you just gotta take it till you make it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you have not, leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter. Oh, by the way, um, the guest that I had teased last week, I was like, oh yeah, we're going to have a big time guest. I think we're going to be able to do that next week. think we're going to be able to do that. Uh, schedules got shuffled a little bit, so hopefully we're going to be able to make that happen next week. Uh, but yes, follow us on Twitter, at the SES pod, at CJ Oguera at Go so Hard. Join the Facebook group, here named name, Red on Air with FigureNot or Bold and Brash. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.